I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. It's Friday, and I'm kind of glad. It's been a long, long week, a good week, but a long week. But today we're going to talk about some fun things. We're going to talk about peace and purpose and happiness, joy, you know. But I got to warn you, our guest today says that it can be a fight. You actually have to fight for your peace, which may seem a little odd. You have to fight for your happiness. But that's a good thing, and we're going to teach you how to fight a little bit today. Hopefully, we'll get into some of that. Uh, my guest today has a book out now called Relentless Joy, and it's written by Rachel Joy Barbeau. Uh, and i, I, I got to ask, Rachel, um, this, I hadn't finished the introduction, but Joy is your actual middle name? It is. Okay. It is. My, right. my uncle named me that at... Uh, at birth, Rachel, Rachel Joy, and uh, he read something, um, uh, a, a Jewish newspaper, and and um, yeah, my mom says the joy of the Lord was my uh, is my savior, and um, yeah. So huh? people think all the time that it's a show name, but I'm like, nope, it's my real name. <laughs> That's a real name. Okay. And so to finish my introduction of her, she's done a lot of sports uh, broadcasting, so she's been on the air a lot, which is why you might think, is that a real name? Or is it? Anyway, she's also <laughs> the host of the Joy Starters podcast so i uh, interest a little backwards welcome to life today live rachel <laughs> hi my friend how are you <laughs> great great to have you here so let's dive into this uh and of course you know with books and things like that the, the obvious opening question and it's a good one is where did this come from for you why is this a thing that you said i'm going to write a whole book about this uh, one i had been hearing from people my entire life you know saying you need to write a book you need to write a book. You need to write a book. So, and and I tried in 2018. I talk about it in the book. It didn't happen. Um, I didn't get a call back. And I, I think God was just saying, not right now. It's just not time yet. And He did not let the dream um, die. And and so I've had a. I say it in the intro. I've had a crazy, dramatic life. Not in the drama, fuss and fight, argue way. Just a crazy life. The things that I've been through. And I I have figured out a, a different plane of living and, and existing, not just existing, thriving. And I, I wanted to teach people what I know and my lessons that have come from my pain and how I have joy still, even though I've been through the most unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. And you, I don't want to push too much, but you do talk about some of that in the book. Uh, and I yeah. think it's, I think it's important um, because people are going through difficult circumstances to give them hope. You can say, Hey, I've been through them. And I fought for my joy, uh, and, and I found it. But if you don't mind, uh, give us a little bit of an idea what you've had to fight through. Yeah. Addiction, domestic violence, losing both of my parents, losing all my worldly possessions, um, and uh, what I call a dark night of the soul, a trigger warning for your viewers, a, a dark night of the soul. And at the beginning of the book, I actually uh, I, I include a trigger warning. And I said, hey, listen, parts of this book are, are hard to um, hard to, to stomach, hard to read. But if you will hang tough and press through, I promise you there is healing there. There is peace there. But you have to do the work. You have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, God has a lot of beautiful things for us. 
but there's also a requirement of us and I call it our spiritual shovel and you've got to get your shovel and do the work. All right. Well, you mentioned a literary term, dark night of the soul. Uh, yeah. And then if you look at the, the, what they call the hero's character arc, there, there is that turning point uh, after the dark night of the soul. Was there a turning point for you? It was absolutely a turning point. I, you, um, I want to tell people this. I think it's really important. Um, oftentimes high functioning people get into trouble very quickly. I had never, ever in my life thought of taking my own life, but it was the perfect storm, uh, you know, of that night. And it was, I was going through a heartache. I was, had lost my mother and I was also in financial distress. Mm. And those three things coupled with sleep deprivation, um, almost took me out. And at three o'clock in the morning, I began having thoughts and you know, people say they hear voices. For me, it was one voice and he sounded like a snake and it was a devil and I know it. And I do believe the scourge and this plague that is on our land, that it's demonic. I, I believe that with all my heart of the, the vast numbers of suicides that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. And he told me, you're pathetic. You're worthless. You're, you know, the world would be better off without you in it. You can't keep anything. You're, you're going to lose everything. And um, I, I fought through that and, uh, and I, I survived. And it was a long battle that evening and I survived through the ideations. And the next day he kept saying to me, um, you can't tell anybody, you're pathetic, you're weak. You know, nobody will ever book you to speak again. But the good voice, the voice said, my girl, my girl, you're a warrior. Go tell it far and wide. Tell them how I saved you. Tell them you're not defective. You're not broken. You're a miracle. Tell them what you went through. And so I began to speak about that in, in my talks across the country, and it blew the lid off of my movement. I'm changing the narrative. And people began to say, me too. Me too. I've been there. I've heard that voice. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for letting me know I'm not alone. Um, and wow, I, I, what was meant to kill me actually made me stronger. And, and what the devil tried to use to take me out of this world actually gave me the blueprint to be able to save millions of lives. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's really pretty simple. The, the voice of death and destruction that wants to steal everything from you, that is not God. That is just the opposite. Rachel calls the enemy, you know, what and the Bible will call Satan or the devil. But regardless of how yeah. you want to think of it, it is not God. The voice that gives life and peace and hope yeah. and comfort, that's that's God. And so, you know, wherever you're at, if you're watching and you're you're hearing these voices, if you will, and by that, I don't mean like audible voices. Um, usually it's just repeated thoughts. It's these thoughts over and over and over. You can change the narrative, as Rachel says, and, and, and flip that towards life. I'm curious, Rachel, did you grow up in a Christian home? Where was God throughout your life? I did. Um, I tell you, one of the, my mom's in heaven now, um, obviously, and some of the greatest things she taught me, one, she, she read to me when I was in her belly, so I think that's why I love, love to read. Uh, <laughs> secondarily, she taught me that when you mess up, instead of running from God, you run to God with a fervor that scares hell. Mm. And my mother was, she chased the hem of his garment her, her entire life. And so she taught me that. And uh, and I was saved when I was younger, at, at uh, you know, baptized when I was younger. And then when I was at church camp in my teens, my early teens, I, I really felt like I, you know, absolutely went down the aisle, you know, and accepted Christ as my my savior um, and just knew that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
absolutely. So how I think the obvious question, and I mean anybody that's been there will get it, but how did how did you get to the point where you're struggling with even the will to live? The world. Yeah. We live in a broken world, my mm, friends. Yeah. We live in a broken world. It is it's death, destruction, sadness, and it's getting crazier by the day. Um, what Satan, what the enemy did to me, I had um I was adopted at eighteen months old. They told me when I was six, my parents did, I didn't remember it. And so at 11, the 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 um, fact came back up. And I remember asking my mom, she was like, you don't remember, we told you it when you were you know, 11. And uh, it, it pulled the rug out from underneath me. Mm. And I look back now and I, I, I know this and I talk about it in the book, Satan started his, his fight against me at that time because he knew, I believe he knew what God was going to do in my life and how he was gonna use me. He began to insert words in my, bastard and illegitimate, unwanted, unloved. And I never told anybody that I was having these feelings about myself. That then caused that daddy issues, caused holes the size of Texas in my heart. Mm. I began to try to fill those with things of the world, substances, you know, uh, uh, the opposite sex, you know, just anything I could to fill those. I began to try to get the world to affirm me and love Mm. me and make me feel special and validated and beautiful. And, and and nothing was ever going to satisfy these holes but the love of God. And so that's how I got there. Interesting. I, I'm, I'm adopted too. So you're talking, Beautiful. it's adoptee to adoptee. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, I didn't face that. Uh, maybe a credit, I don't know, to my parents, maybe just my personality. Uh, but I, I understand. Because, I, you know, the reality is you, I, you, the identity struggle a lot of people go through that uh, and it really takes finding who you are in Christ to have that identity is is what was how did that come about when when did you because you're obviously you I mean none of those I don't think you struggle with any of those things in fact I think you're a champion for identity in Christ what, what was it that kind of started settling that for you Um, that's such a good question. (laughs) I'm like, how long do we have? (laughs) No, it's such a good question. You know, um, I I think for me, it was, it was a number of things. Um, It was one, I had found myself, all of those problems, I'd found myself at the end of my twenties, a raging addict. I was, I was addicted at a nine year, eight, nine year addiction to hard drugs. Mm. And God saved me from that. He saved me. I should have been dead 10 times over, you know, in a ditch. I, 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 I'm a miracle. And he, when he saved me from that, it was like, how can I not live for him? How can I not be on fire for him? How can I not tell people about, I just had a conversation last night with somebody about this. And I've, I've never been in a situation like this before. This person sat next to me at an event, didn't know her. And she began to say, I hate Christians. <laughs> and she said that. And I couldn't, and, and I said, Oh, but I'd love to tell you about the Jesus that I know, you know, not not religion, so to speak, but the Jesus that I know. And I began to tell her about Jesus, who's my best friend, my Abba father, my protector, my provider, who's carried me through the hardest times, who loves me, who is the ultimate joy starter. Like (laughs) you want to talk about joy, Jesus. And I said it in the book to my friend. You'll love this. I said, wherever you find yourself, if you're church hurt, mad at God, don't believe, believe a different religion, wherever you are in the spectrum, backslidden, wherever you are, I 
want you to think and know that Jesus was a really rad dude because he was, <laughs> he is. And at the very least, I want you to leave this book going, huh, I'm curious about this Jesus dude. You know, like maybe I want to learn a little bit more about him because the more people that I meet in the world, there are a lot of people out there that think of Jesus and God as a, as a vengeful, mad, I'm mad at you and I smote you and sin and mm. I will strike you down. I'm like, no, that's not the Jesus I know. I love it. I love it. Um, by the way, Mark is celebrating eight years of sobriety as he's watching right now. So you're encouraging others. Hi, Mark. And I, yes. I asked the, the question about the identity because I find that until you establish your identity, you really can't get to your purpose. You know, I, I, I think the one comes before the other. Um, and you really, I mean, it seems like God is really using you in a great way. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you're at now, because I just love your encouragement and your message with the whole change in narrative thing. Yeah, thank you so much. I was a sportscaster. If, if I if I had a, rode an elevator with you and only had a, a few seconds with you, I'd tell you in your audience, I was a sportscaster for 17 years. You talk about that identity in the world. I had rooted myself without knowing it as a, as a sportscaster. I was mm. Rachel the sportscaster. First female host on Sirius XM on their collegiate channels, voted for the Heisman hosted the first ever college football playoff game for five years. And uh, in 2016, I saw a problem. Uh, we were on the heels of Penn State in the thick of Baylor. There was sexual violence and domestic violence going on all over the country. And I was just audacious enough to believe that I could affect change. And so I created this curriculum and it I say curriculum, but it was a two page Google doc. So do not curse the days of small beginnings. <laughs> and it was what makes your heart beat faster? What were you born for? My own experience with domestic violence. And you can take back the head headlines for something positive. You can change the narrative. I thought I would take it into high schools. I didn't even put two and two together being a college football reporter. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine, Dr. Kevin Elko, who works with Nick Saban, he said, hey, um, FSU football wants you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and since that day, August 26, 2016, I've now worked with over 60 colleges, many multiple times. I work with law enforcement, Customs and Border Patrol, halfway houses, prison ministry, high schools, junior highs corporations, churches, wherever they'll have me. And it's now expanded to mental health, joy, interpersonal relationships, purpose beyond your job or athletics. Um, it's just exploded. So anybody who's watching this today, and then I wrote a book called Relentless Joy, but anybody who's watching this today, who's got this little idea in their soul, this little inkling, this little thing that they feel like they need to do, go for it, do it. There's no accident that you're hearing me say this today. <laughs> So I'm really curious because college sports is interesting. Uh, yeah. And in, in, in that you've got, man, you got, well, they're young kids. You know, the older I get, the more they become kids to me, right? But <laughs> they, re, it's really a diverse group of kids. I mean, because yeah. it's, you know, we think of the college athlete and we kind of maybe stereotype, but I mean, there is a wide range of backgrounds, of cultures, of, of, your faith. Uh, what What do you, when you walk into a locker room or wherever you speak <laughs> on the school, on the campus, what, what do you, what are you up against? What are you seeing? A lot of brokenness, mm. a lot of brokenness. I'm seeing young men who come from all socioeconomic backgrounds. 
that some come from, um, we'll say, Miss Rachel, I've never had anything traumatic happen in my life. And I say to them, well, if you've seen good love, it is your responsibility to teach others about good love. Hmm. Because just like hurt people hurt people, healed people heal people. Hmm. So if you've seen good examples of love, then keep replicating that in the world. But many of us, including myself, came from brokenness. Um, and while I was very loved, there was dysfunction and divorce, divorce and in, in my life. And so when I go into these rooms, I teach them, I call what I do soul training. I teach them about, about how to love, how to express themselves. When I'm speaking to men, I destroy stigmas that are surrounding mental health. You know, this whole idea that to, uh, to be masculine, you got to man up, shut up, put some dirt on it and keep moving. And that idea is killing generations of men and, and it's killing all numbers of men and all generations. Mm. And really, you've never been more masculine. You've never been more strong. You've never been more attractive is when you say, I don't have the tool in my toolbox to be able to fix this. So I need to go get the tool. And the tool might be therapy because guess what? Here's the reality. You might need therapy and Jesus. You might need therapy and Jesus and medication. I just got off a therapy session today. And I know that God is using my therapist to be able to help me become a better, more whole human and understand why I am the way I am. So we talk about a lot of different things. We talk about love and purpose. Most recently, West Virginia football last year called me and he said, I hear you talking about joy a lot. Would you like to come in and talk to my football team about joy? And I'm like, yes, yes. So I got to talk to, you know, 100 plus men about joy and not waiting to be happy because right now we're living right inside of a memory right now. This is the book Relentless Joy by yeah. Rachel Joy Barbone. And uh, just to get into some of the nuts and bolts for somebody's like, that sounds great. What do I do? What do you, where, where do people start if they're really struggling in this area? They're like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm glad she's found it, but I don't think I ever will. You know, what are yeah. some of the basic starting points of fighting for your joy? The basic starting point is getting real with yourself. Can't get real with anybody else till you get real with yourself. One of the big things that happened for me was I began to radically love myself, right? In a in a way um, that says, hey, I've got blind spots. I've got things I got to work on, but I also am funny. I'm loving. I've got a caring heart. Like I love myself. And I recognized when I was broken and trying to fill those holes, I didn't love myself. I was trying to get from the world to affirm me, love me, lift me up. And I didn't truly love myself. Mm. So that's where it started for me. But what I would say to somebody who's listening to me, I, I rode in an Uber with a woman. I was working out at the Super Bowl and we were talking about being open and, and just talking to other humans and going deep with other humans. And she said, you know, I didn't used to be like this. And I said, really? And she said, oh yeah, I used to be a very negative person. And then she said, but I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I got sick and tired of myself. She said, so I went on this journey and I read every self-help book I could get. I read about different religions and I was like, oh, let me tell you about Jesus. You know, I was like, she said, she said, I read about psychology. I read about all of these things. And she said, and I'm, I'm not a negative person anymore. I changed. So I think the first thing you got to do is you got to take inventory and be real with yourself. Where are my shortcomings? Where are my downfalls? Why am I negative? What's underneath that negativity or that pessimism? And get to the bottom of it. We can't do anything a monumental in our life and allow God to do monumental things in our life if we're not getting real with ourselves first. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, would you would you say that joy is uh, a choice? 
That's a great, great, <laughs> that's a great question. You know, I've got a girlfriend named Laura Reed and she let me use her, her soundtrack or her song. It's called wake up and it says, find your voice. Joy is a choice. Mm-hmm. I do think that there's a choice to notice joy, to spread joy, to be joy. I, I think that's absolutely true. But do I think that joy is there? It is all around you. Absolutely. There is joy. There was joy is joy when I when I lost my mother there was still joy all around me begging to be noticed you know like sometimes we're, we're so busy we're so bitter we're in a blasted and barren place that we might miss the little flower that's pushed up to the concrete you know we might miss the red bird or the rainbow or whatever that thing is that you love the most that's meant for you I'm I'm sorry about the dogs <laughs> oh, I barely hear them that's fine you're outside you're yeah, it's all good, good. <laughs> uh, he- yes it's it's there it's there my friend and um it, but we have to notice it that's the thing we have to be aware of it and i think we oftentimes get so busy and we're pushing so hard and 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 we get so busy and sometimes we get hard and we get bitter that we don't notice the joy that's all around us yeah uh, and this is a true statement you know what brings me joy dogs dogs i love dogs. well these dogs are great <laughs> by the way they're my best friend's dogs and they're the sweetest dogs and this morning one of them rolled over and said pet my belly See? and so now we're best friends <laughs> I, I know right I, I my wife won't let me have one and i get it but uh since oh. we moved a couple years ago but and, and she's right <laughs> of course she's right but our neighbors have the sweetest dog and every time i come home from work they're my driveway's on their side and he comes over yeah. and he's like pet me and so i do so anyway oh. and you know i think i do think I say that and I smile, but I, I do think that there is noticing the the sort of gifts in life, you know, the beauties in life and not just running right by them and taking time with them. I do have to, I want to ask you if you have any thoughts about this. And uh, this is this is deep stuff. So and, and, I, and I just uh, where did I interview? I interviewed someone for I guess it was broadcast, I think, talking about um the joy in, in lament, uh, that not in the lament, but lament being a part of worship that leads to joy. It's the idea that, that uh, you know, um, that sadness comes for a time, but joy comes in the morning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In fact, I think we, we talked about this this week. On I've had this conversation several times, and it's kind of an awakening. It's like, I'm curious, because you mentioned the, the loss of your mother, the, the abuse that you you took the struggle with addiction i mean was there a time of of lamenting in all these pains and bringing that lament to god so that he could bring the the joy the blessedness which is makarios is translated happy as well you know you're not happy because you mourn i think you're happy because you're comforted when you mourn in the presence of god does that ring any any kind of yeah. And first, I just want to say this. You just made my point exactly. You could, because, you're, because your wife said no dog, you could be like, well, I, you know what? Screw that. You know, mm-hmm. and you could, you could walk right by that dog every day and say, I'm not going to allow myself to pet that dog or enjoy that dog because I can't have a dog. You know, like you could do that. But you are a perfect example of what I'm talking about in the book. And we call it a joy starter. You're like, hey, that may not be, I can't have a dog right now. It doesn't make sense to have a dog, but this dog loves me. So I'm going to get the pets. I'm going to get the loves. I'm going to get the tail wags. I'm going to get it where I can get it. And that's joy showing up for you in in the face of a dog, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> and saying, hey, listen, I'm just going to wag my tail and do that. And to, to your question, it's absolutely right. I mean, the thing about it is, is this, is even yesterday, I was I was upset about something. And people would say to me, 
um, I don't understand this. I was upset about something and I yelled at God. Okay. It's been a long time since I've yelled at God. But as soon as I did it, it, it was a release. And then I apologized to God. I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, it was a guttural cry. And, uh, and, and there was joy. And people would like probably wrinkle their nose at me and say, what? How? It's because I, one, I know I can. I laid it at his feet. I got it off my chest and there was joy. Mm-hmm. If I didn't, if I didn't express myself to God, even if it was a guttural cry and a, and a, you know, a plea to him, right? I wouldn't have been able to feel the joy of relief afterwards. So the lament, absolutely. It's, I say this to people all the time and I talk about it in the book about forgiveness. A lot of people think, well, I can't forgive my dad. And I had somebody tell me this recently. I, I, I can't forgive my dad who sexually assaulted me. And she Mm -hmm. said in the Bible, she said, it says, forgive your dad who, who sexually assaulted you. And I said, honey, yes, it does say that. And I said, the Bible says seven times 77 to keep forgiving. And, and she was like, wow. And I said, yeah, and I know that's hard, but I say this to say is that oftentimes we think forgiveness is just this one thing like, oh, okay, you know, take it from me, God, or, or, you know, forget Sometimes it takes us a while. We're oh, yeah. human, right? Yeah. We got to keep going back over and over again. I know myself, there are things I had to lay at the cross for years mm-hmm. before I ultimately got free of them and forgave the person. And now we, this particular person I'm thinking of, we have the most beautiful relationship when the world would say, you absolutely should never have forgiven him for what he did to you. And we now have the beautiful, most beautiful relationship. And you know why? The power of forgiveness. Mm, yeah. And you know, at its core, forgiveness is not forgetting. Uh, it's not excusing. It's not overlooking. Nope. Nope. It's it's not holding accountable. And I think the healthiest way to look at that is to say, okay, I am not going to insist whether, you know, legally or verbally or just internally that this person uh, pay the price for what they've done, which was bad. You know, it's it's bad. I'm going to trust God's justice and turn it over to his court. And that, in that way, you release them from your justice and you trust yes. them to God's justice, which means you got to trust God. But it does. I think there's accountability that is there, but you're not the one having to do it. And there's freedom yes. in that. Yeah. Woo. Preach, my friend. <laughs> That'll do a whole segment by itself. I mean, that's just, what? yeah, it's it, that's amazing. Yeah, and that's, you know, really that's coming from talking to a lot of people like you. <laughs> we've, we've done whole programs yeah. on forgiveness, and you really have to dive into it because that's a, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, that that is a really people do awful things to to people, and and yeah, you're right. You have to fight for your joy, especially in those. Cases. All right. I want to show people. Uh, let's see. I want to show people your website. That's what I was going to do. Okay. This Thank is uh, rachelbarbo.com. Uh, the I is silent, she told me, but it is there <laughs> if you're spelling it. So if you're, if you're listening, if, by the way, if you're listening on one of the podcasts, uh, R-A-C-H-E-L-B-A-R-I-B-E-A-U.com, uh, rachelbarbo.com. And you can find her podcast and book and some other things right there. And if you want to book her to speak to your group you can do that as well um yep. by the way i my neighbor's dog good college name because uh <laughs> i can't remember he's a lawyer i can't remember if it was grad or undergrad but one of them was at ou the dog's name is boomer 
Come on. That's, that's so good. That's so good. That's so good. And, and, and I lived in Oklahoma for 10 years, so I'm a bit of a Sooner fan. Anyway, uh, I want to give you the last word. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate everything you're doing. Um, if there's anything you want people to know that I didn't bring up or if you just whatever last word of hope and encouragement, um, thank you for being with us. But last word from from you. There's no word for coincidences in the Hebrew language. I, I learned that in Kathy Lee Gifford's book. I think it's Jesus I Know. Um, and so you aren't listening to this program today by accident. You didn't flip here. You aren't on. This didn't pop up on your on your browser by accident. Um, you're here for a reason, and you heard this message. And um, one of the greatest things I, I teach people is when they when they leave my presence is, hey, there's somebody that needs to get a text from you that says, I forgive you, or or let's drop it, or I miss you, or let's work it out, you know? Um, that and my other favorite text to send to people are, I don't need anything. I just want to tell you blank, and you can fill in the blank. It just teaches us to appreciate one another and love one another. And so I would just say thank you to everybody who's listening, and please go grab the book. I do believe it will change lives. I've been hearing from hundreds and hundreds of people already just since the release on Tuesday that it's it's life-changing and helping people put their lives back together and their relationships back together. I love it. And, you know, some people won't see this for a month or a year, maybe even 10 years. But on yeah. that day, they'll need a little word about relentless joy and the hope that they yes. can have it too. And so thank you again, Rachel. I appreciate you. Uh, your time and, and your efforts and just going out there and, and fighting for it, fighting not for your own, not just for your own, but for the joy and the peace and the purpose of others. Thank you. Amen, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate all you guys out there watching. Hit that like or share or subscribe, whatever buttons, especially if someone needs a, a little hope in their lives today, hit that share button and come back. We've got more for you all next week. Uh, hope, encouragement, some fun things, some challenging things. All right, here on Life Today Live. Hope to see you again next time.